you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Show, presented by DraftKings. Here's your host, Marcus Grant. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast presented by DraftKings. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still masking and socially distancing when and where necessary. And big Wednesday show for you. Of course, we will have starts and sits. We will look at some of the wiretaps, the guys you might have scored off the waiver wire and whether or not you should start them this week. Plus, we're going to recap some of the rookie wide receivers and kind of do a redo of them, depending on what we have seen so far from them this season. Plus, a special guest is going to be sitting in and joining us on the show today. So we got plenty to get through before this one is up. But before we dive into any of that, as we always do at this time, we'll talk to our faithful producer, senior Edward L. Murphy Esquire. Murph, what is new in your corner of the world? Well, I actually have like a uh, Colts story since they're playing Thursday Night Football. Um, I live in Park La Brea here, so anyone that knows uh, L.A., it's a humongous complex. And um, for a bit of time here, I was working out at the the gym over in like the, the activity center here. And there was a guy wearing like VCU stuff and just a humongous mammoth of a man. And I'm like thinking like, what's going on here? And he, and he has a Colts playbook. So I'm like searching the roster. And this is like, what, I guess a year or two ago now. And I'm looking and going through the roster. And I finally see someone that looks like, and I'm like, oh, Dan, like this is, this is Mo Alley Cox, like former college basketball player. Like this makes total sense. Like he's here. Why in this small, tiny gym? I have no idea. But this guy is like, I don't get why he ever played basketball because he has a football body. He is like a thick dude and he's like next to me and I'm not small, but he was just like doing his cult workout. I'm like trying to peek over and try to see what like, you know, they had going on in the little, uh, you know, what they have the players doing the off season. But yeah, that was a, like a pretty cool experience to be working out next to a, a guy who is making an impact in the NFL like right now in like the weirdest gym of all gyms, but uh, I'm sure he is not living here anymore. I wouldn't think so. That that story is actually right up there with me having beers with former Saints kicker Garrett Hartley and playing shuffleboard with him down in Hermosa Beach uh, and him basically trying to draw attention to himself by saying he helped the Saints get to the Super Bowl. But uh, yeah, Moali Cox, that's that's actually kind of cool working out uh, alongside him. Uh, all right. Yeah. Let us turn our attention to our special guest today. Adam Rank has the day off and uh, he will be joined instead by our one and only resident nerd. You see him on the show every Friday. It is Matt Okada. And uh, Matt, we are so excited to have you here. It is nice to uh, let you spread your wings a little bit. We'll take you just out of your nerd box uh, and let you come hang out with us. So uh, certainly excited to have you here. How you doing? Doing great. It's uh, it's interesting to be on this side of the camera instead <laughs> of the, uh, the research side where I normally am. Well, we certainly appreciate all the work you've done uh, on the research side as well. So uh, now we'll let you kind of get a little bit of shine, put all that that knowledge to work. And we will start it with some of our fantasy headlines. And the first one, certainly not an exciting headline. Christian McCaffrey, who came back last week and, and had a nice week for the Carolina Panthers, unfortunately injured his shoulder. At first, he was week to week. Then it looked like he was day to day. Now it looks like he's back to week to week. The reports are he is not expected to play this week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So obviously the first thought is that Mike Davis is, is back up. But Matt, I mean, this Bucks defense has been very good all year long. Are we fully confident and back on board the Mike Davis train against this Tampa Bay front? Uh, can I be like three quarters of the way back on sure. the Mike Davis train? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that Bucks defense has been pretty dominant all year. They've been a little bit more susceptible lately, so it makes me feel a little bit more confident in Davis, but he also has not been as lights out as he was kind of in the first few games when he was filling in for McCaffrey. So I don't think he has the 20-point upside he had earlier in the season, but he can be a low-end RB2. 
I suppose. I, I think, well, one, I think you're absolutely spot on with that because we, we loved Mike Davis his first couple of weeks to the point that we were wondering, will he still have a role when McCaffrey comes back? That has faded a little bit. And over the past couple of weeks, we've seen the Panthers work Curtis Samuel more into the running game, uh, just kind of using them as a one-two punch back there. Also, news this morning that Carolina has signed Reggie Bonifant off the practice squad, so I wouldn't be totally surprised if you see him get a few snaps and a few touches in this game. So whereas once we were totally you know, full speed ahead with Mike Davis, I think we are a little bit more cautious. However, if McCaffrey ends up having to miss a stretch of time, which we don't know just yet, then Davis's value goes up. And I know with the trade deadline approaching in a lot of fantasy leagues, he could be a piece you could flip for something or someone to uh, help you out down the stretch and into the playoffs. So uh, there we go. Mike Davis back on our radars again, just when we thought it was safe to put him back on the waiver wire. More running back news, this time out of Indianapolis. And this is not something that we're going to be excited about, but... Head coach Frank Reich says that he is excited to continue with Indianapolis's running back by committee. I mean, Matt, and we were already sort of frustrated because Jonathan Taylor wasn't having the kind of season that we had anticipated. But now that they really might go with a three-headed monster, how do you rank this backfield? Uh, why are you doing it to us, Frank? This is not exciting, especially not for fantasy. I mean, it's tough because they've been all in, all pretty inconsistent lately. But for me, it's going to be Taylor, then Hines, then Wilkins, which is basically how they rank on the season. So just kind of going the pouring route here. But despite some down weeks, Taylor is still getting the lion's share of carries, especially in the red zone and at the goal line, which is the most valuable work. So And Hines is getting the passing game work to Trump Wilkins. So even though Wilkins has had a good game or two recently, I'm sticking with the tried and true order here. I'm definitely not in on Jordan Wilkins. Uh, he he just he's so hot or cold. I mean, he had that one really nice game, and that was great. I can't imagine that consistently. I do sort of like Naheem Hines simply because we know what his role is going to be, and it's not going to change. I mean, he has sort of been in this pass catching role all year long. I flash back to I think it was July or August when there were reports that. Hines could have a game where he catches 10 passes. So that means the Colts definitely have him in their plans. And while they haven't fully given up on Jonathan Taylor, they obviously kind of want something more, which is why you're seeing some of these other guys get opportunities. But this was sort of the last thing we wanted to hear. And I know there are a lot of people, and I was certainly one of them, that thought Jonathan Taylor was the best back in this draft class. And look, I'm not saying we give up on him. I'm not calling him a bust just yet. It's just his first year in the league, so things can get better. But I do think we are at a point when we can just admit that this is not turning out the way we had anticipated. And so we're going to have to make adjustments. I mean, I go, I go back to another Wisconsin running back, Melvin Gordon. And he very famously did not score a touchdown in his rookie season. Year two, he turned it around. He became a touchdown machine for the Chargers for a while. So uh, I think it's definitely too soon to throw in the towel on Jonathan Taylor. But uh, this has definitely been a, a disappointing season for him so far in Indy. All right, last bit of news. And this one out of Dallas. Uh, according to Stephen Jones, Andy Dalton is going to go back to being the starter once he is cleared. He's been on the COVID list. He's had concussion issues. But once he is back and ready to go, which could be uh, for Dallas's next game, he should be the starting quarterback again. Matt, we have seen, you know, we've seen Dalton start. We've seen Ben DiNucci start. We saw Garrett Gilbert last week. It hasn't been great since Dak has been gone. But do, do you feel a little bit more confident about the pass catchers there if the Red Rifle is back under center? Uh, I'm going to say yes very slightly. Dalton did not look good, or certainly not did, did not look great in his play uh, relieving Dak. But neither did the other two guys. And most of the, the fantasy assets for... Uh, Dallas, Cooper, Lamb, Zeke, even Dalton Schultz were better in Dalton's one full game than they were with Danucci, Gilbert, or some sort of combo QB that they've been running lately. So it's certainly not going to get them back to Dak levels of production. And the hurting offensive line doesn't help either because it just means Dal D Dallas and Dalton are going to be under pressure. But I think they should be a little bit more startable with Dalton than with one of these nobodies. My argument when Dak went out was originally to not 
fade the Cowboys receivers too much because they had a guy who was a starting caliber quarterback coming in. I mean, you know, Dalton was a longtime starter in Cincinnati. He he led them to the playoffs on, you know, before in the past. So it felt like it was going to be okay. But I think you make an excellent point in that that offensive line really has become an Achilles heel for this team where it once was a strength. And so I think you're going to see teams pressure Dalton a lot. So that will have an impact. But uh, I'm with you. I think you can have at least a little bit more confidence in Cooper and C.D. Lamb uh, once Dalton is there. Michael Gallup, I, I have no idea what to make of him at this point. I was big on him coming into the season. Uh, it just hasn't worked out. I mean, I just ask you real quick. I mean, are we at a point, is it safe to drop Michael Gallup regardless of who the quarterback is? I think so. He's going to have games where you wish you hadn't dropped him, but you're never going to know when they're coming. And so you're not really going to want to start him in in any given week. So I was a huge Gallup fan. He's probably my biggest miss, actually, of the offseason. And I think he's extremely talented, but we just aren't seeing the consistency, even when Dak was on the field, to feel comfortable with him. I, I'm with you on the biggest miss. That was one that I, I took a big swing at, and uh, and that one didn't work out. So, uh, so we'll keep an eye on what's happening in Dallas as well as the rest of the league as we get a little bit closer to Sunday. Today's show is sponsored by DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings has millions of dollars in total prizes up for grabs this week, so download the DraftKings app now. Use code TEAM during sign-up and start feeling the sweat like never before. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. It's time for Fast Connections presented by Verizon. We're going to look at some of the first year wideouts. And this was expected to be a very good class of wide receivers. And through the first nine weeks, it has certainly lived up to that. But now that we've had a chance to see some of these guys, I felt like it'd be a good time to sort of go back rethink what we thought earlier in the year and make some necessary adjustments. Now, obviously, it's not going to help your fantasy teams that you've already drafted, but, you know, it's always fun, a fun thought exercise to do. So uh, I got four questions here, and Matt and I will sort of kick them around a little bit. The first one is, in redraft leagues, who would be the first rookie wide receiver off the board for you? This one's close, but I'm actually taking the guy who's fifth in fantasy points per game among the rookies, and it's T. Higgins. I know that sounds a little crazy, and he also has no games of 25-plus fantasy points. But here's the thing. First two weeks, he wasn't really active or wasn't really doing much. You're not starting a rookie wide receiver then anyways. And then since week three, he's had the second most fantasy points among the rookies behind only Justin Jefferson. Uh, And second most games with double-digit fantasy points, too. And that's really the key. He's got six in a row, uh, top 35 wide receiver in five of those six. And I want a guy I can rely on. And really, this also is about the other guys. Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool have had huge games, but they've also been hard to predict and had a lot of down games. And I don't really trust CeeDee Lamb without Dak. So Higgins is the guy I'm most comfortable starting every week. I do like Higgins a lot. I'm going to go with, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. I'm going to go with him partially to sort of stick with my original preseason bias. I, I didn't, I don't believe that Jefferson of this group has the highest ceiling, but I did feel like he was walking into the best situation in order to be productive right now. I thought that he was going to be the top scoring rookie receiver in fantasy. And you're right. He's had some blow up games. He's had some very low floor games, but he's in an offense where Kirk Cousins generally finds one or two guys and sort of gets laser focused on them. And this year, for the most part, has been Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. And once he's found his stride, he really has slid nicely into that role to the point that you know, people look at the, the Vikings getting rid of Stefan Diggs and it doesn't look nearly as egregious because Jefferson has come in and he has produced. It also doesn't look that egregious when you have Dalvin Cook going for 200 yards a game. It's easy to forget about who is or isn't there at any one point. But uh, Justin Jefferson has been sort of the guy that I thought he would be coming into the season. So I would I would continue to stay with what I thought back in August and, and stay with, with, Jeff, with Jefferson there. All right. So that's for redraft leagues. Now, if you're looking at dynasty leagues, who do you think would be the best option from this class? Yeah, I'm sticking with the guy I had number one in Dynasty, much like you're sticking with the guy you had number one in Redraft, and that's CeeDee Lamb. I mean, listen, before Dak went down through week five, Lamb led all rookie wide receivers in fantasy points. He was 11th overall among wide receivers. He was averaging 17 fantasy points per game as a rookie and leading the NFL in routes out of the slot, which we know is good for fantasy. 
And then since Dak got hurt and the Cowboys have kind of spiraled into offensive oblivion, he's been a single-digit fantasy scorer and kind of been a non-factor. But for the for Dynasty, for the future, he has got the best combination of talent, draft capital, and quarterback by far, assuming that Dallas signs Dak. That is a big question mark. And if they don't have Dak, I hope they have somebody a little bit better than what we've seen from Andy Dalton. Plus, uh, Lamb could be the show in town by 2022 because Amari Cooper has no guaranteed money on his contract after next season. CeeDee Lamb is going to be a superstar in this league for a long time. I am agreeing with you 100%. I have CD Lamb as well, and for a lot of the same reasons that you mentioned. I feel like Amari Cooper's time in Dallas uh, is maybe not at an end yet, but it will be probably very soon. Uh, we talked about Michael Gallup and the fact that he has been sort of a roller coaster this year. And I really do believe the Cowboys are going to do everything in their power to get a deal done with Dak. I know that earlier in the week, uh, Jerry Jones basically said it's crazy to think that we're going to draft a quarterback if we end up with a high draft pick. And I do think that looking around and seeing what this team has become and what this offense has become without Dak Prescott, that alone should be enough of a motivating factor for the Cowboys to get something done. So you you combine you know, the, the youthfulness of C.D. Lamb, the fact that a number one receiver spot is very likely to open up very soon, and that I do believe they're going to have a top quality quarterback uh, running this offense. All those things point to C.D. Lamb as being maybe the top receiver in this group. I, I thought, like I said, I thought Jefferson was the guy for right now. I thought C.D. Lamb was the guy sort of for long term. And I haven't seen anything so far this season that really disabuses me of any of those notions right now. All right. So we've talked about redrafts. We've talked about dynasty drafts. Let's talk about what's going to happen potentially for the last part of this season if you had to pick one of these guys for the stretch run to get you into and through the playoffs, who would it be? I'm going to stick with my redraft pick. It's going to be T. Higgins. Besides the fact that he's been the most consistent, he's got the best remaining schedule of the rookie wide receivers over the last five weeks of the fantasy season. He's got matchups against the Giants, the Cowboys, the Texans. Those are all juicy. Texas is in week 16 in your championship, by the way. Um, and I mentioned he's had six straight games with double-digit fantasy points. That puts him in company of guys like Keenan Allen and Stephon Diggs this year. Plus, he's only had one touchdown in his last five games, and he's a very talented red zone receiver. I think that that can positively regress. If he scores a couple more TDs in the coming weeks, he's going to even have more upside. I like that pick. I like it a lot. I'm going to sort of pivot to Jalen Rager, and I will admit that I was sort of slow to come around on Rager in the offseason, but you know, just watching things, reading things, uh, just kind of talking to folks, I, I eventually kind of joined the Jalen Rager hive, and I said that, and somebody on Twitter got mad at me and said, stop saying hive about things. And I'm like, you're in the don't say hive hive, uh, but that's a different story for a different <laughs> time. Uh, the Eagles are in need of wide receivers, and uh, look, Travis Fulgham has been a great story, and I think he has staying power in this offense. I know Alshon Jeffrey is expected to come back this week, but we have seen his injury history over the last few years. Who knows what Deshaun Jackson's future is going to be in this offense. Rager is a guy who is going to get plenty of opportunity. And if you watch him on film, I mean, the speed is amazing. They're putting him outside. They're putting him inside. He's winning matchups wherever he goes. And while the schedule isn't necessarily great in the playoffs, he does have some opportunities to go put up some big numbers along the way. So maybe you're not looking at him as a wide receiver one. Certainly you're not looking at him as a wide receiver one, but maybe a low end two or certainly a flex option for you in a lot of leagues. And I think, you know, again, this is a guy that we sort of waited for because he had injury issues, but now that he's back, and healthy and ready to go for the Eagles, I do think he can step in and be a very productive member, not only for Philadelphia, uh, but for your fantasy roster as well. All right, last question here. Who do you think of this group can become uh, sort of an elite, a, a guy that you're looking at potentially as a first-round fantasy pick at some point in the future? Okay, I'm going to go with your redraft guy, actually, not my own dynasty pick. So this is kind of interesting. I'm going with Justin Jefferson. Here's the thing. To be a first-round wide receiver in fantasy, you need two things, a lot of upside and a lot of targets. So far, the rookies to flash the upside I think you need are only Justin Jefferson and Chase Claypool. Certainly other guys can get there. And of those two, Jefferson is a higher-drafted player with a better pedigree 
And the only competition for targets really in Minnesota is Adam Thielen, who will be 31 next season. If you want a sign of things to come and what Jefferson can do, he's had more than five targets only twice this season. In those two games, 30 fantasy points and 40 fantasy points. Plus, this Vikings defense is trending in the wrong direction, which means they may have to lean more on Cousins plus Jefferson in the future than they are right now on Dalvin Cook. I think Jefferson is the guy who could get into the first round one day. That would be interesting, too. And I, I think you know, it's funny you talk about that Vikings defense. And this was a thing that Adam Rank pointed out early in the season uh, that you know, I think we were just sort of used to for so many years thinking, oh, the Vikings defense, we should avoid them. They're really good. And after Mike a Zimmer. few weeks, we sort of looked at them and we're like, eh, maybe not. And, and that is going to have an impact uh, on the passing game. For me, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the CD Lamb well again and I know we've talked about him a lot in this segment but I think that sort of speaks to what his upside is and he has a lot of those same factors I think working for him that you talked about with Jefferson uh, a guy who could potentially end up with a lot of targets we'll see how much Dallas is able to improve this defense over the next year or two because they right now are certainly one of the the worst defenses Ooh. in the league we talked about Dak and his future and whether or not he's going to be back there so uh, a lot of the same factors you talked about with Justin Jefferson are potentially at work with C.D. Lamb and again whatever the future is for Amari Cooper, if it does not involve the Dallas Cowboys, then that means a whole lot more opportunity and a whole lot more targets going his way. So uh, it's been a great year for the rookie wide receivers. And there are plenty of guys that we didn't mention in this segment who have been very productive. I mean, you talked about Chase Claypool and a couple of blow-up games he's had. Uh, I think we're still sort of waiting to see what happens with, say, a Michael Pittman. But I think there's some opportunity there for him. So there are a lot of really tough – Brandon Ayuk, another guy who has, has had some moments this year uh, in San Francisco. So there's a lot of really good players to talk about in this group. And it's going to be fun, I think, to sort of watch these guys develop over the next couple of years. So uh, keep an eye out for that. There you go. That was Fast Connections presented by Verizon. Time for our TNF preview. We do this every single week. We're looking at the Colts and the Titans. Very interesting matchup, uh, obviously, both for the standings and the playoff race, but also fantasy-wise as well. So just jump right into it. We talked about the running back situation and how we basically are kind of nauseous at what Frank Reich is, is uh, suggesting he wants to do for the rest of the year. But let's look at these wide receivers because I think it's been a frustrating year for this Indianapolis passing game. But uh, if you had to pick a Colts wide receiver in this one, who would it be for you? It has been frustrating. I'm going to go with the guy who's theoretically been the least frustrating, even though you really haven't been starting him. It's Zach Pascal. Um, listen, he's had six-plus targets and 40-plus yards in three straight games. No other Colts wideout has three of those games all year. He leads indie wide receivers in pretty much every category. Routes, targets, receptions, yards, touchdowns. He's actually the only one to score a touchdown, has two of them. And he's become their primary slot wide receiver. Tennessee has allowed some strong fantasy days to slot wide receivers, including Tyler Boyd, Keelan Cole, Juju Smith-Schuster. So I'm going to go with Zach Pascal here. I, do, I just don't trust T.Y. Hilton in general, let alone coming off a groin injury. And Michael Pittman I loved as a prospect. I don't know if I'm ready to trust him either. Pascal is the most reliable in my opinion. I'm going to go with, and I do like Zach Pascal. I think I'm sort of burned. I think I started him one week when I really needed help and nothing happened. And so I <laughs> will admit to being a little bit salty. I'll also admit to being a little bit of a homer and taking a USC guy in Michael Pittman in this one. Uh, he had his best game of his young career last week against the Ravens in a day where the Colts really struggled probably more than normal to get anything going in the passing game. And it sort of speaks to Pittman's season that the video we are running right now is him practicing and warming up uh, because <laughs> that's, that's kind of how the season has gone for them. But I think what we saw from him last week is a vote of confidence uh, that you're going to get from Phillip Rivers and you're going to get from Frank Reich in this offense. I'm totally with you on T.Y. Hilton. Uh, between the groin injury and the fact that for whatever reason, he and Rivers just have not been able to connect down the field uh, that sort of gets me out on him, even against a Titan secondary that has given up some plays this year. So, look, I, I think if you're talking just more traditional fantasy leagues, more redraft leagues, I think you have to sort of be in a bad way to be starting a tight or a uh, Colts wide receiver in this one. So, you know. Godspeed to you if you have to do that. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm going to go Pittman. It, it could very well backfire on me. Like I said, I, I have washed my hands 
of this Colts passing game uh, a long time ago. So uh, if you don't like us talking about the Colts passing game, let's talk more about the Colts passing game. And if you had to spin the wheel of Indianapolis tight ends, who do you think it lands on this week? Uh, yeah, this is a full-blown wheel of fortune, so don't at me if we're wrong here. <laughs> but I'm going to go with Trey Burton for a lot of the same reasons I went with Pascal. Burton is averaging the most fantasy points among the Colts tight ends after missing the first three weeks. He leads the tight end core in targets per game and receptions per game. And most importantly to me, he's running a route on 63% of snaps compared to 46% for Doyle and 34% for Mo, Mo Ali-Cox, Mo, Mo and I want opportunity for my tight ends. And that's that's basically, if you can call 63% of snaps running a route, that's what the opportunity is for Burton. He's a slot tight end for the Colts, and he's the only Colts tight end to finish as a tight end one multiple times despite playing fewer games. So uh, last week was certainly not pretty, as you can see on the screen, but I'm going to go with Trey Burton. I will probably double down on Trey Burton as well. Um like we talked about the frustration of Jonathan Taylor, what has added to it has been Trey Burton getting goal line carries. Like what, what is <laughs> happening? What is going on with that? But know. in terms of, of tight end production, then, Hey, that works. However he gets in the end zone, you're not going to complain if you're starting him. Uh, I think a thing that we have learned this year is that Philip Rivers really does like throwing to the tight end position, running backs and tight ends. He likes peppering with targets. Uh, you know, so Naheem Hines has had his games. Trey Burton has had some opportunities. It's the reason we're talking at all about Mo Ali Cox because Philip Rivers likes getting the ball to that tight end position. But if I had to pick one, I'm with you 100%. It's probably going to be Trey Burton. But again, if I'm starting him, I'm going to hold my nose. I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to just kind of grin and bear it uh, as much as possible. Over to the Titans side, Ryan Tannehill had a really great start to the season and, and for the most part has been pretty good this year. But this Colts defense is sort of a different animal uh, when you were looking at quarterbacks and trying to rank them this week. About where did Tannehill fall for you? Yeah, Tannehill falls right around QB 12 for me, which is basically where he's been this season, kind of in the Drew Brees, Baker Mayfield range for me this week. And given that that's where he's been and the fact that he's facing this Colts defense, like you said, allowing the fewest fantasy points per game to quarterbacks, maybe it's a question, how does that work out? Well, I don't think the Colts D is maybe quite as good as they look in that little red number in your fantasy app. Um, they, they've had most of their good games against bad quarterbacks. In fact, they've only faced one quarterback who's currently in the top 17 in fantasy points per game. That was Lamar Jackson last week, who they did do pretty decently against. But Tannehill has been super reliable. I think he has a good chance to be a fringe QB1. So that's where he falls for me, around QB12. Fringe QB1 is kind of what I was expecting. I would think there are some guys, you know, like I, I would actually consider starting maybe Tua Tangavaloa over him this week. Yep. Uh, I, I like Drew Locke potentially as a, a streamer this week. So I think he would sort of fall maybe right around that same spot. I, I would project for Tannehill somewhere in the neighborhood of 17, 18 points, which is kind of what he's been giving you the last few weeks, which again, it's not, it's not great, but it also won't necessarily sink your week. Uh, if you can get production from other places. So I, I always sort of have this belief where if I have multiple options at a position and I'm not totally sold on one on Thursday night, I will probably wait. And I think that's kind of how I feel about Tannehill this week. That if I have another quarterback option, whether it's on my roster or out there on the waiver wire, if I have another guy that I feel okay about, I would probably forego starting Tannehill on Thursday night and then seeing what that other option can get me on Sunday. I just feel like there's nothing worse or more frustrating than starting a guy on Thursday night. He puts up a bad number and then you're forced to stare at that for a couple of days True. Uh, until Sunday or Monday. Uh, and that's that's kind of how I'm feeling about Tannehill in this one. It could work out. It could not. Uh, I would rather err on the side of caution and give myself a little more runway to figure out my quarterback spot for the week. All right, last thing here, Corey Davis has been in the middle of his breakout season. He is this year what Devontae Parker was yep. last year, uh, and it's been fun to watch. I really, truly have enjoyed it. Last week, I knew it was a bad matchup against the Bears, but I thought he would do more than zero catches for zero yards. I figured that you know he would have more catches than I did last week, but that wasn't the case. So now going against this Colts defense, how worried should we be about Corey Davis? 
I'm actually not very worried. I know, yes, he did disappear against the Bears defense, but to your point, that Bears defense has made wide receivers disappear all year, and Davis has been good or otherwise almost the whole the whole season. Um, Double-digit fantasy points in all five games besides that Bears game, including 15-plus in the two weeks prior to it. And as good as the Colts have been against quarterbacks, they actually have not really been wide receiver killers. They've allowed four top 24 wide receivers in the last three games. And I'm kind of looking back to the week six game that they had against the Bengals, where T. Higgins, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd all had 12-plus fantasy points. I think this is kind of a similar passing attack where they've got multiple angles of attack. And I think that A.J. Brown and uh, Corey Davis can have decent games here. So I'm okay rolling him out, uh, trying to keep buying into that. What is this, 18th year breakout for Corey Davis? I, yeah, I'm 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 on board with the Davis breakout, and I think I feel better about him this week. I also, just as a side note, I learned the hard way last week to never bench AJ Brown. I I decided uh, on one team I, I went with Allen Robinson over AJ Brown, and I regretted that decision. So I have learned my lesson. All apologies to Mr. Brown. I will do my best to make a space for you in my lineup each and every week. Uh, I have learned. I have been humbled. So, you know, that's that's how I feel about that. But I do think Corey Davis, you know, he's not he's not going to repeat with a donut this week. He'll get you something uh, at least good enough to be in a flex spot for you. And uh, it's been fun to see the Corey Davis breakout continue uh, after so many years of sort of waiting for this to finally happen. Hey, look, look, Ryan Tannehill's been great for this offense. That's that has been the thing I think that has sort of kickstarted this Tennessee offense was making the switch from Marcus Mariota to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, It is Veterans Day, and Salute to Service is the NFL's year-round effort to honor, empower, and connect with our nation's service members, veterans, and their families through longstanding partnerships that support our military community. The NFL, its clubs, and players thank all of our armed forces serving in the United States and around the world. Join the NFL in Salute to Service by visiting nfl.com slash salute. It's time for Secure Starts presented by Visa for peace of mind online. Visa's got you covered. Now, normally we have Adam Rank here with his weekly starts and sits, but he was kind enough to leave us with some of his starts of the week. So we'll throw that up for you to let you take a look at them. At the quarterback spot, we got Rank going with Jared Goff and Derek Carr, who I really do think is a, a nice streaming option this week. His running back picks for starts, uh, Antonio Gibson and Kareem Hunt. That's despite Nick Chubb coming back. I still I still agree. I think Kareem Hunt's going to be fine. Wide receivers, Christian Kirk, who got hot last week, and Curtis Samuel, who's been hot for a couple of weeks. His tight ends this week. Uh, a couple of Iowa Hawkeyes, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant. And I don't believe that this was written by Kimmy Check, so I think uh, that's going to be just fine. And uh, defenses, the Eagles and the Cardinals, which uh, may be a little bit of a surprise picking the Cardinals uh, against the Buffalo Bills. But now that was nice enough from Adam Rank. Uh, Matt and I have our own picks for the week. So if you're going to go with a start of the week, Matt, who would it be? Oh, all right, Marcus, raise your hand if you lost all trust in James Conner and any fantasy analyst to recommend starting him in week nine. That, my that hand is me. raised that's me. Yeah, and I yeah. lost trust in myself. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm flying Conner again in week 10, trust issues and all. Here's the thing. Pittsburgh has fallen behind in each of the last two weeks and the snap counts and touch counts for their running backs have been dismal as a result I don't expect that in week 10 against the Bengals, who they've beaten in nine straight meetings. The Steelers are going to win. Plus, since he has allowed a top 10 running back in three straight games, and with Big Ben battling COVID restrictions and injured knees, it's likely, likely Pittsburgh will have to rely heavily on Connor, regardless of who starts at QB. By the way, two of those wins were by Mason Rudolph, so even if he starts, I'm not scared. Connor is a lock, in my opinion, for somewhere like 17 to 22 fantasy points, which will slot him in between a high-end RB2 and a strong RB1. I think you can go back to him this week. Kind of a little bit jaded, but do it. I, I certainly understand the the trepidation. Like I, I think last week was a, a shock to the system for everybody because we thought that he was just going to run wild against the Cowboys and then the game script sort of worked against him. I also would like for the Steelers to stop giving goal line opportunities. It's like Chase Claypool and Benny Snell. Give them to your main running back. Let him just run it on in, please. I, I'm going to go with Nick Chubb. And you saw Kareem Hunt 
on Adam Rank's list, I still think there's opportunity for both of these guys to eat. We have seen it during the year when Chubb was there early in the season. We know that the Browns want to run the football primarily, and this is a great opportunity for them to do that against the Houston Texans, giving up the third most fantasy points per game to the position. They have allowed uh, over 1,100 rushing yards to running backs and 10 rushing touchdowns to the position. Everything about this screams that it's going to be an opportunity for the Browns and Kevin Stefanski to do exactly what they want to do, which is to run the ball early and often. And I think there's going to be room, as I said, for both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt to eat against this defense. So if you have one or the other, you can put them in. You can start them both with confidence. And you can feel pretty good uh, about how things are going to go this week. All right. So now your sleeper of the week, who's maybe a semi under the radar guy people should know. Oh, boy. I'm going way out on a limb for this one, Marcus. So hopefully you will bear with me. And the pun is intended because it's Nick Foles of the Bears. Listen, he's coming off a season-high 22 fantasy points versus the Titans. He's had 16-plus in three of his last four. Basically, he's been good in every good matchup and bad in every bad matchup. And the Vikings are a very good matchup on Monday Night Football. Since week four, they're allowing the fourth most fantasy points to quarterbacks. And they had allowed a top seven QB in three straight before last week's split Lions quarterback situation. This secondary for for Minnesota is extremely injury depleted. Their highest rated healthy cornerback is Jeff Gladney, who's the 114th highest graded PFF corner. So it is a mess back there. Plus, David Montgomery in the concussion protocol out of that Titans game. He's eaten up a lot of inefficient touches this season. I think that the Bears rely on Foles in this one if he's out or not full strength. And Foles gets himself a couple touchdowns and a few hundred yards, and you're feeling okay. Look, we always get at least one or two big blow-up games from Nick Foles, so I think we might be due for one. So I, I don't true. think that is uh, the craziest thing. Plus, we like we like spicy takes on this show, so that, that definitely fits into the spicy take category. Uh, my sleeper for the week is Eric Ebron, going back to that Pittsburgh Steelers offense uh, and their matchup this week against uh, – their matchup this week. Uh, and, and I think, one – the Bengals have struggled against the tight end position all year long. Uh, they've given up a ton of yards. They've given up a lot of touchdowns to the position. And if you're talking about a sleeper tight end or a tight end that you're streaming this week, really all you're looking for is touchdown upside. And Ebron has that. You want a guy who's going to get looks when they get down near the end zone. So I think there's an opportunity for Ebron to sort of do that. And I think even more, if it's not Ben Roethlisberger, I think that might even be a better deal for Ebron just to get a big body target somewhere in the middle of the field for Mason Rudolph to throw the football to. So uh, we know how bad tight end has been all season long, how frustrating it has been to fill that slot. So if you could just find a guy who catches the ball in the painted area at least once in a game, you can feel kind of okay about your tight end spot. And I think Eric Ebron has that potential for you in week 10. There you go. That was Secure Starts presented by Visa. Well, Adam Rank was nice enough to not just leave his starts for the week. He also left us uh, a bunch of sits for the week as well because, you know, Adam Rank is nothing if not thorough. Uh, his quarterbacks to avoid, Matthew Stafford against Washington, Teddy Bridgewater against the Buccaneers. Uh, the running backs, Jarek McKinnon, who has just been such a crapshoot this year in the Niners' backfield, uh, and Melvin Gordon for the Broncos. Tyler Lockett, a surprising sit at wide receiver, Ooh. along with DJ Moore, I have the sense that DJ Moore is a sit because he's just frustrated rank and Adam is just washing his hands of the whole situation. Hmm. Uh, I understand. <laughs> Tight ends, Hunter Henry and Mike Gesicki. And defenses, the Broncos against the Raiders and the Panthers against a Bucks offense that is likely to be pretty salty this week uh, after what happened on Monday Night Football. So those are Adam Rank's sits. Uh, Matt, who is the one player that you are urging people to avoid if possible this week? Yeah, you saw a couple Panthers on that list. Uh, There's a reason for that. It's the Buccaneers defense. I'm sitting what I'm calling the Panthers wide receivers, but really it's basically DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. So I'm with rank on DJ Moore. Listen, the Bucs have allowed only two top 20 wide receivers in their last seven games and zero top 12. Over that stretch, they've held Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, and Keenan Allen outside the top 25. That is not good for for Panthers wide receivers. 
And more, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel have kind of taken turns being the best fantasy wide receiver for this team all year, which makes it hard to rely on any of the trio, even in good matchups. This is not a good matchup. Moore only has seven-plus targets once in his last seven games. Robbie Anderson really hasn't had a great game since week five. Both the guys had a decent game against Tampa Bay in week two, but they both had double-digit targets to do that. And now that Curtis Samuel is kind of coming into his own and getting a lot of touches, I don't feel confident that either of those guys is going to get enough work to be happily started. I I agree. I'm I'm very worried about the the Panthers wide receivers this week. And Anderson, after a nice start to the season, has just kind of settled in. He's just been meh, Man. I think, for the last for the last few weeks. So you have a guy who's just being sort of average. Put him against a good defense, and it's probably a situation that is best uh, avoided if possible. I'm going to go with Joe Mixon, and I know we keep sort of touching on this this Steelers Bengals game. And you know, first off, you've got. Mixon is sort of coming off an injury and you're kind of concerned about you know what his health is going to be coming back into this one. But this is also just it's a different Bengals offense. We know that they have put the game on the arm on the shoulder of Joe Burrow and sort of let him go to work. It's a bad matchup to begin with against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are not giving up a whole lot to the running back position. So that is enough to make you concerned. Uh, in fact, the fewest fantasy points per game to running backs allowed by the Steelers. So that is already enough of a concern. You've got Mixon coming off an injury. And in his career against Pittsburgh, he's been just okay. Just one game with over 100 scrimmage yards uh, against Pittsburgh so far for Mixon. And with the idea that, I expect Pittsburgh to score a lot of points. I think after last week's poor showing, I imagine they're going to want to get off to a quick start. So that could certainly tilt the game script away from Mixon and maybe more toward Gio Bernard, who we know is sort of their designated pass catcher. So I'm sort of worried about Joe Mixon uh, being on the field in this one and just kind of concerned uh, about you know what he could possibly do. Uh, all right, last one. Star player that you are concerned about this week. Oh, boy. All right. I'm going with Lamar Jackson here. I mean, on the season, he's the QB 12, which is disappointing based on where you drafted him. 20-plus fantasy points only once in his last four games. These are his fantasy, fantasy finishes since week five, Marcus. 20th, 6th, 18th, 19th. That is not what you want out of Lamar Jackson. And he simply has not been connecting with Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown lately. And if you're not doing that in this offense, you're probably not doing much. And then this week in primetime, he draws the Patriots defense. I know they're not quite what they were last year, but they've only allowed one top 15 quarterback all season. It was Russell Wilson. They smothered Josh Allen in week eight. And last year when they faced Jackson, Belichick held him to 163 passing yards, a TD, and a pick. He salvaged his fantasy day with two rushing touchdowns, but I'm not relying on that this week. He's still a top 10 quarterback in my rankings, but I am going to be wary of Lamar this week. I, yeah, I'm very worried about Lamar. I feel like you know, we can always sort of go back to him just because his rushing ability gives him a semi-safe floor. But in terms of throwing the football, it has not turned out, I think, the way we would have anticipated this year. And, you know, I think there are a number of factors for that. But regardless, the bottom line is the production hasn't been what people were drafting when they spent probably a you know second or third round pick uh, on Lamar Jackson. Uh, the big name that I'm really concerned about this week is Adam Thielen. And there are a number of reasons for this as well. I talked about the Vikings offense earlier and how they have understandably pivoted toward Dalvin Cook because he has been playing so well uh, over the last few weeks. But also the the Bears, it's just a bad matchup. We talked about you know what they did to Corey Davis last week, how they have shut down wide receivers. And they have traditionally done a good job of shutting down Adam Thielen in 11 games against Chicago in his career, he has not yet hit 70 receiving yards in a ball game. So that means it's going to be really tough to get a, a pretty safe, solid floor out of Adam Thielen, throwing the fact that, you know, the Bears, uh, if there is a place they are vulnerable, it is probably against the run. So you're really going to need Chicago. You would need Chicago to get out to a big lead and force the Vikings to throw the football. Problem is, the Bears don't have the kind of offense that's conducive to them getting out to a big lead and forcing the opponent to throw. <laughs> Although I do know, I, look, I know you had Nick Foles as a, a sleeper pick this week, so maybe it happens. Who knows? 
Um, but but at least everything uh, by the numbers suggests uh, this could be a fairly close game. And, and I don't know that it necessarily lends to Adam Thielen getting peppered with a, a whole bunch of targets there. So I, I, look, I, I get it. If you have to start him, I totally understand. But it's not one that I would be looking for a whole lot of production out of this week. Uh, so those are our picks. If you want the rest of Adam Rank's starts and sit, you can go check them out at NFL.com slash start sit. That's easy enough. Have you been watching Fantasy Bites? Because you should be watching Fantasy Bites. It's our weekly show with Adam Rank, Kimmy Checks, and Michael F. Florio. They go through all the big topics in fantasy football leading up to the week, trying to help you get your lineup set. You can see it streaming Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern in all the normal spots, NFL.com, the NFL Fantasy apps, and on YouTube at YouTube.com slash NFL fantasy football. Check it out. The trio is doing a great job this year. It's been a lot of fun to check out that show. All right. We will close out the show as we always do on a Wednesday with some wiretaps, the guys that you might've scored off the waiver wire and whether or not you're going to give them a shot in your lineup. So uh, Matt, I think I have an idea of how you're going to go on this first one because we talked about the Panthers wide receivers against the Buccaneers, but Curtis Samuel has sort of been a Swiss army knife and it doesn't look like there's going to be Christian McCaffrey this week. So would you maybe give a little bit of burn to Curtis Samuel against Tampa? I actually, I actually would. I feel a little bit okay about it. When I, when I talked about the Panthers wide receiver wide receivers earlier, I kind of focused on Moore and Anderson, and I left Samuel out for a reason. And it's because he's not just a receiver and he's not just a running back, both of whom kind of will get shut down by the Buccaneers' defense lately, at least. He's, a, like you said, a Swiss Army knife. I think they can get him involved creatively in ways that the Buccaneers' defense is not used to stopping. He's been the most consistent of that wide receiver crew. He leads the trio in touches and yards and touchdowns since Week 7. And with CMC out, I think he's going to get a healthy number of touches again. So... He's not he's not necessarily high upside, but I think he's going to get enough work to be viable even in a tough matchup. I think that's the key there is just the, the opportunity and the ways in which they can get him the football. I mean, it, just because the matchup is bad, uh, I think that, that Joe Brady is going to have to be a little bit creative with what they do offensively here. And so I think that means moving Curtis Samuel around. Plus, look, I, I, I understand that past performance is no, you know, it's no predictor for, for future performance, uh, but he's been hot and they have found ways to sort of unlock him the last few weeks. And I think they're going to need some of that just because I don't think they're going to be able to just drop back and throw the football down the field to Moore and Anderson. So I think that's enough to make me feel okay uh, about Curtis Samuel this week. Uh, over to Houston, Duke Johnson looks like he might get a little more opportunity because David Johnson's in concussion protocol. We'll certainly wait to see what the final verdict is of that is going to be. But if he doesn't go, then that means we see a lot more of Duke Johnson against the Browns. Maybe not the best matchup on paper, but uh, is there enough volume there for you to feel okay about starting him? Yeah, this one really is more about the other D Johnson and whether or not he plays. If he doesn't, Duke Johnson's big game in Week 9 kind of came out of nowhere. He was not trending up in snaps or touches before that game, so I wouldn't expect him to be good again. But if David Johnson is out, I'm okay putting Duke Johnson in my lineup. The Browns have been kind of middle of the road versus fantasy running backs, but the games that they have allowed decent fantasy results have been games with high touch counts. So if Duke Johnson is the only guy and he's getting a high touch count, then I feel okay. Plus, it's a revenge game. Revenge. <laughs> I think that that has a lot to do with it. The whole revenge game factor. I, I I'm torn on this one because I do think with David Johnson out, then that means we're going to see more of Duke Johnson and and something of a specialized role. Uh, my I won't say concern. I think I think the thing that has been unfortunate for Duke Johnson in his career that I I always talk about is that he's a good player and he's sort of a a multi threat player. But everywhere he's gone, he's a good running back who's been on a team with better running backs. And he's a good receiver who's been on a team with better receivers. And that's sort of the issue, I think, this week. Um, I, I don't love the matchup, but I think if they can find a way to get him the ball a little bit more, uh, I think that is sort of comforting. I do still worry, though, that you know, Deshaun Watson likes to throw the ball downfield. So it means we could see more Will Fuller, more Brandon Cooks, and maybe less of Duke Johnson. So I think if I'm if I'm hurting, if I really need somebody to fill my flex spot, I'd probably go with Duke Johnson there. Uh, but I'm not necessarily happily just plugging him in my lineup and, and hoping for the best. All right, last one. 
And it's another revenge game situation. Last week, Kalen Balaj surprised a whole lot of folks. Justin Jackson got hurt. Balaj came in and actually put up a pretty decent number. Not that anyone was starting him because certainly nobody expected that to be the case. <laughs> but uh, now you know, we'll see what happens with Jackson if he's able to play. But Balaj could be back on the field. And like I said, it's a revenge game against the Miami Dolphins. So if you needed running back help, would you turn to Kalen Balaj? Yeah, this one is a true revenge game because he was just kicked to the curb by this team. Um, oh, boy. Listen, I, I will admit, I was actually a Kalen Balaj fan coming out of college. He is a fierce runner if he gets space. And we saw it last week. He looked pretty decent. If if Justin Jackson is out, L.A. is clearly not comfortable leaning on Josh Kelly. I think I would be okay if, as a flex, not as an RB2, but as a flex or maybe a second flex if you've got roster spots for it, I would feel okay about Balazs. Especially, the Miami defense has been very good, but they're weaker on the ground than they are through the air. So I think if the Chargers want to put up some points, it may be through Balazs. A year ago, I never thought I'd be saying those words, saying these words, but I, I think I'd be okay starting Kalen Balazs in a, in a flex position. Oh um, it's you know, it's a little bit of what he did last week. It's a little bit of the revenge game factor, and admittedly, it's a little bit of the hey, he is free from the shackles of an Adam Gaze offense, so maybe that has something to do with it as well. Uh, like I said, there are there. Are, it's not a. It's sort of like Duke Johnson, where I'm not just rushing and excited and and you know proclaiming to the world that I'm starting Kalen Balaj, but if if I'm if I'm in a deeper league, if I'm really hurting off the waiver wire, uh, I can I can tell myself a story where starting Kalen Balaj is not a terrible option, uh, and I can feel okay about it. I mean, you know, I know that you know this time last year. Uh, he was something of a punchline in fantasy football circles because he just nothing was happening with him. So maybe a change of scenery is all he needs. I mean, we, we've seen it with any number of guys, right? Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Parker. I guess it's not a change of scenery, but a change of coach. Uh, Robbie Anderson. We see these guys kind of get away yeah, yep. from Adam Gase and go somewhere else uh, and have success. Kenyon Drake, another one as well, who, uh, who yep. finished the season strong last year uh, after getting out of Miami. So, uh this is where we are. 2020 is a weird year. We're talking about starting Kalen Balaj uh, and not immediately getting laughed off the circuit. So, uh, hey, Matt, appreciate you sitting in for us. Uh, it was a great show. I hope, hopefully you uh, enjoy being here with us today. I did. It was a blast. Rank, if you want to take some extra vacation time, I'll be, I'll be here. <laughs> Absolutely. We would, uh, we'd love to have you back uh, at some point. We'll probably have to do that at some point in the future and get you back on the show. In the meantime, we'll have you back on Friday for uh, for Ask a Nerd. So uh, we look forward to that. One of our, our favorite segments every week on the show. Uh, in the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show presented by DraftKings. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember... There's no sense in being pessimistic. It wouldn't work anyway. Be safe, take care of yourselves, wear a mask, and we will see you on Friday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.